Colin, is there some sort of special, shiny something that uh, we should be talking about to our dear listeners? Yes, yes, indeed. So, folks, I have put together a design for a shiny podcast t-shirt. And I was hoping to gauge interest in folks who might be interested in having one of those t-shirts because I definitely want one. I know that Chris really wants one, uh, but I don't want to order a bunch (laughs) and have them sitting around my living room. So if you are interested in that t-shirt, let us know. You can let us know at hello at shinypodcast.com, all our social media, which is on our website, shinypodcast.com. Uh, and, or you can just uh, let us know in person because you are probably friends with us if you're listening at this point. <laughs> so um, we, if you're interested, we would love to get you a t-shirt. They're pretty cool. Uh, can we put a link I'm to the design thinking, in the show notes? Yes. Uh, yes, we can. I'm trying to think of how to do that without, because I think the link that I sent you, uh, allows you to edit the design. So oh. I'll need to, maybe we'll I, can that create, I, I can, I cr- can, uh, create like an Imgur, um, Imgur, yeah. whatever yeah. file. Um, and maybe I will, where can we we'll post that on our, uh, Facebook? Yo, I'll post an image on our Facebook <laughs> and you can let us know. We can include that in the show notes too. Deal. Cool. Perfect. There it so is. if you want a t-shirt, let us know. And they're sweet t-shirts. And I will be rocking one because um, I am sexy and I want everyone to know that I'm sexy. And how? Cue the music! Of course, there is that thing. That thing, that, that thing, that, that thing. That minor, that minor issue. So should we play the music? <laughs> Just play the music. Colin. This is Chris. And I don't have a witty uh, intro to this, so just take that for what it is. This is Shiny Podcast, following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be you as well. Thanks. I don't know that I want another me running around. Yeah, I respect. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feel, bro. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, our dear, dear listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Shiny Podcast. It is Sunday, March 11th. I want to thank everybody who listened to our short and shiny. Um, and... We got some positive feedback for it, so that's pretty cool. I don't know when next we'll do something like that, but I think we will do more because that seemed to be um, a happy thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I got some unsolicited positive feedback, and I, I enjoy the that kind of short format as much as I, I also love these long, long episodes that I, I, I dig that short format as well every once in a while. One is a sonnet in the afternoon sunshine, and the other is a sweet, sweet tea in the early evening. 
That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's got to be the Hoptronics. <laughs> Dude, we have an insane show today. Yeah, so we don't really have much of a deep dive because we have a deluge of articles. Yeah, let's let's scratch the deep dive and just get, you know, this episode, guys, if you want to hear us just bullshit for minutes on end, go check out the previous episode, the short and shiny number one, and uh, you'll hear about 15 straight minutes of bullshit. Wonderful bullshit. (laughs) The best sonic bullshit. That's the coolest part about that episode is that it's just like just you can hear the arcade around you. What am I talking about? You should go listen. Anyway, let's get into the news. E-waste is, I would obviously a growing problem as more and more people have computers. They, you know, much more uh, access to to computers, and especially with the kind of planned obsolescence becoming more and more of a, 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 a an accepted standard industry, electronic waste is is piling up quite a bit. And so there are some people out there in the world who are trying to mitigate that a little bit. One of those people, his name is Eric uh, Lundgren, and he was a big innovator for this this kind of e-waste recycling endeavor, taking those old computers that people are throwing out, getting rid of, and repurposing them if if you can, but uh, all finding other ways of um, recycling those materials, you know, chip chipboards and and whatnot you know the internal components of a computer and making sure that they're not just winding up in a dump because they have lots of potential harmful chemicals as they melt and you know there's there's a huge environmental impact if if that kind of stuff piles up so uh this this person eric eric lundgren mr lundgren uh, was was doing pretty well. He he had a pretty good track record, and and unfortunately, he he got himself into a bit of a pickle with Microsoft. So what what is that pickle, you might ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. Tell me about the pickle, Colin. So he is facing prison time for trying to extend the lifespan of of PCs. So what happened was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that is that is I you would find this article under that that folder I'd say. That's true. <laughs> so in in that realm of planned obsolescence, most people when they buy a computer, they they get something called a restore disk. It it essentially allows you to uh, uh, phrase it. Fix the you know uh, re. Uh, um, sorry, reinstall the operating system uh, in case of any issues. Um, if you know if anything goes wrong, your hard drive crashes, that sort of thing. You need to get a new one. This allows you to reinstall that operating system so that you can continue continue using that computer. Most people, by the time that any sort of warranties are passed and time has gone on. They lose those discs. I am very guilty. Which of that. is a real, uh, a real shit problem when you're six, seven, or ten years down the line and you need to do, you know, maintenance on your correct. computer. Those discs. It's not like going to Microsoft's website and downloading the um, the thumb drive maker, you know, executable that they have. Right. That's sort of a generic and maybe um, less feature rich. Um, version of this this is the one that has all of the 
uh, gouge from the manufacturer of that computer, the special little, you know, sauce that makes this part work really well or what have you. Right. So, so right. it's, it's annoyingly important. Yes. <laughs> and especially considering that, again, they usually disappear fairly shortly after buying said computer. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. And so he is being, he's facing jail time because what he did was he said, these computers, you know, people are getting rid of them because they can't <clears throat> make those updates and, and reinstall their, their OS. So they're just getting rid of their computer and buying a new one that is contributing to this e-waste problem. What can I do on the front end to try to mitigate that a little bit? And so what he did is that he created those restore disks for those those old operating systems and and sold them and microsoft took uh issue with that <laughs> and so uh <laughs> yeah he, yeah so and and you know it mr lundgren has not denied that you know he made them he's not denied that he was hoping to make money off of them i i you know he was making the argument though that he wasn't deliberately trying to completely subvert the the you know copyright system he just was trying to do this thing for recycling and so it just so happens that is, the copyright system is so draconian that it you know yes <laughs> catches this, this type sort of thing, of thing does not fly at all and so he's had a stay of of sentencing in order to better define this 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 case because it is it is a little tough and the lines are a little bit hard to to, to define mm -hmm. here and so I, I guess where it kind of comes out he you know he may have been able to do it if he didn't advertise it as Microsoft's restore disk you know he may have been okay if he was like this is the Lundgren special whatever sure. disc and marketed Lundgren's it that way disc of or formerly proprietary blobs right <laughs> or just gave them out for free. right well there it is you know, as part of a as part of a package with something else or you know whatever it may be in those cases it might have been okay but because he slapped a microsoft logo on it it became an issue anybody who has ever been to a music festival knows that you can buy all sorts of magical bottles of water that come with things for all sorts of dollar amounts. And so... Yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, I might have tipped my hand a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> but in truth, like, it, it's... It, this is a very... I can't get a read on this guy's personality, and I'm, I'm you know, from reading this article, and I'm glad that Mr. Lundgren is getting a um, a second chance to plead his case again and that they've stayed his sentence, especially uh, during that, because I don't really think that this guy is a bad person um, or attempting to do evil. But I'm not sure he fully understood the ramifications of his actions. No, I don't. I don't think so either. And and. I mean, I think that's pretty evident that we have this stupid <laughs> like caveat in our legal system when especially when it comes to intellectual property and copyright where and trademark where if you if you say you're Microsoft, right, and you make billions and billions and billions of dollars and something like this comes up and you don't pursue this case, 
that creates a precedent that can be used in other cases when bigger, shittier, more assholey fish come down and try to take shit and and actually make money on it. And so you right. they find themselves, and I'm not trying to like you know defend the megacorps here, but like they they find themselves in these odd situations where if they you know they're damned if they do, they damned if they don't. Like we have to pursue this to protect our shit because if we don't, some asshole will come along and fuck us harder. This is uh, apparently a not safe for work episode, by the way. Um, (laughs) It usually is. Yeah, we do have the explicit (laughs) tag, but um, and 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 yeah, so there you go. So like they're kind of forced into it. Um, I feel like Mr. Lundgren is probably a geek, like a real geek. And yeah, real kind of. You know, an engineer head in the sand. It I don't know doesn't really see the the broader issue. Is really focused on the smaller microbial problem. And while I have sympathy for him, don't look at a picture of him because he seems to wear fedoras a lot. <laughs> you might you, yeah, you might there's, lose there's a little sympathy. Kind of <laughs> there's kind of a goofy picture of him like squatting with some uh, um, some folks in Ghana uh, recycling spot you dude know. he like exclusively wears a fucking fedora holy shit this guy is like changes his clothes not his fedora yeah <laughs> never mind throw uh, the book at him <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm no, kidding i'm no, kidding no. i'm kidding um one uh last thing it's especially important to i think follow uh this thread uh, in sort of a macro sense, because it is, I believe it was uh, within the last, can't remember exactly, but very recently, uh, the nation of China stopped accepting American e-waste, um, actually global e-waste, I'm pretty sure. With right. some exceptions, the uh, traditional uh, end point for this stuff is no longer doing that. So this stuff is piling up and it's a lot closer to your house than you may think. Yes, and it has quite a few harmful chemicals that can be released in in those components. BT dubs. So probably not going to use your motherboard for kindling. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have been eating off that thing. <laughs> right? Sometimes it gets hot enough, right? Okay, this story I think is really interesting, and I'm surprised this hasn't been a problem uh uh, hasn't been a, a, a problem until now. Okay, so uh, most people are probably familiar with the Redbox company. Sure. And if you're not, it's just they're, they're like soda machines for DVDs. Basically, they are these big red boxes huh, that are at um, like grocery stores and gas stations and just sort of like, you it's know. like a mobile blockbuster. Yeah. That's a yeah, it's a mobile blockbuster and you go in and it's got a big touch screen and you stick in your credit card and uh, you pick a movie and the DVD pops out. Have you have you ever used a red box? I have. It's been a while, mm-hmm. but I've never I've never used one. And in fact, the only things I ever see about Redbox usually show up on Reddit and it's somebody. So, so a problem that Redbox has is this is totally not what we're going to be talking about today, but just an anecdote. Uh, some a problem that Redbox has is that people will rent the, the video game or the movie, whatever it is, t- keep the actual disc. They'll print the 
they'll like uh, copy and print the disc cover like the disc top that shows like what it is yeah the, the barcode the whatever and put that paper onto just a blank plastic disc and put that back and return it and then disappear so somebody else will come along rent the same thing and they get that fake unusable copy it's a flawed system yeah. yes <laughs> it's, it's a flawed system and i mean you know i think the 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 biggest flaw is honestly using digital video discs in 2018 but that's just my opinion man <laughs> <laughs> so i know what Redbox is i don't dice does does yeah it's just a like a a, a little you know sort of florid florida floridian californian upstart kind of thing it's, uh they're nothing to pay attention to then nah no big deal they won't go anywhere Some mouse cartoon um <laughs> no uh so uh the our, our uh, future illustrious corporate overlords, uh, Disney, uh, who now own 40% of the entire entertainment market in the world, <laughs> finds itself in a predicament as they have recently lost a uh, some legal action to stop Redbox from selling it's digital download codes. Now, how does Redbox, a company that sells rental DVDs to people at gas stations, have <laughs> Disney's digital download codes? What's going on here? This is so interesting to me. Okay, so here's how it goes, right? Redbox, a third party, cannot get a licensing deal with Disney directly for various reasons. Right. Or if they can... It's fairly narrow and um, not really, not really uh, balanced or or weighted at all in Redbox's favor. It's like a you know, it's it's it wouldn't be fun for Redbox to do so. So what they do to fill all of these thousands of red boxes all over the country, and I don't, I think they sell them in other countries, um, is they buy like a like fleets of copies of movies and games they just buy like tons you know pallets right. tons of inventory yeah 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 and these discs many of these discs these days come when you buy it you you get a a, a download code you know the rights to a digital version of that of that of that movie right right so redbox takes all takes in all of this inventory they buy it outright with their own money and these at retail at retail at full retail um and you know they they, they come with this with this download code and then what redbox does is they put the discs in the redbox devices so you can rent them but then they sell the download codes separately right as as a they bought it at retail and they sell those download codes as a consumer. Right. So this pissed off Disney because often those download codes could be purchased from Redbox at a uh, far, far lower price than you could get them directly from Disney in its approved um, you know, avenues. Like if it right. was $20 on iTunes, you might be able to get it for, you know, six bucks or you know three three dollars or whatever from red book uh sorry from red box <laughs> not red book 
So Disney citing, you know, oh my God, a lack of revenue. Oh God, well, well, well we must, we must. Uh, tried to sue them over a variety of uh, copyright infringement and, and uh, ownership rights. Mm-hmm. But they have lost in an American court of law because of a little thing called the right of first sale. Turns out, and uh, U.S. District Judge Dean D. Pregerson, oh dear. Um, what a name. What a name. <laughs> <laughs> agrees. Uh that these codes, once purchased legally through you know the the publicly available avenues of purchase, they are no longer within Disney's purview to to maintain this uh, this authority over, and so it's within Redbox's rights to resell those codes at whatever price that they want. Right, exactly. As they paid for it at full retail, as any normal person would, they just bought it at a higher volume, and have the right as a consumer to sell those coats. I mean, I agree with that decision. Oh, Chris, Colin, you guys are taking a real long time to uh, articulate the details of this case. Why it, what, is it important? Look, we have precious little case law on the books that concerns the, the this particular area. You know, digital rights are not something that, even though you may feel passionately about them, they're not codified in law particularly well right there's few uh, issues of precedent for future decisions to rely on exactly and this case this case puts forth the argument that there is a limit to corporate authority or anyone's authority over content beyond the first sale so if you it, it, the the extension of this, which I think was where I think we're we're all hoping this is going to go, the extension of this is in the context of backing up your legally purchased DVDs. You know they don't want you to rip the content of your DVD or or, or other you know media so that you can access it without that disc. Right? They go Correct. through a lot of headache to make sure that that's a pain in the ass for you. If you extend the logic from this case to that kind of a situation, you can see a basis, a legal basis for ruling that that is a perfectly legal activity for you to do. This has much wider ramifications than just a fight between a big company and a bigger company. Yeah, and there is some speculation that this ruling will not hold in the, in an appeals process because of those wide ranging implications well beyond this this specific issue that is true that is true but there has got to be a limit at some at some point i mean like i would hope so you know i, I worry what about I worry that, sales for fuck's sake you know yeah, yeah i just i worry that i mean disney as we mentioned has a large stake in the entertainment industry that's putting it mildly pulling it very mildly and i worry that they're they've got a big gut to swing around yes and they do i i worry that that will affect the outcome of this decision more than the actual more than actual consideration of the issue itself right Right, they're they're the the powers. If, if this get if this goes to appeals, the powers that be might see the writing on the wall and swoop in to try to like 
alter its trajectory. So we will absolutely keep on top of this case because I think that it is going to, uh, I think it does alter a lot of perception and perhaps the, um, perhaps change things for the better for, you know, the, the, the normal person. Correct. But we'll see. And, and, and just a, just a kind of a brief overview of the, the implications outside of, I mean, it, it affects video games. It ex- affects uh, Internet of Things devices that have copyrighted software that are tied to physical devices. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot on the table with this decision. It's not just about movies. Maybe you young whippersnappers are too, too, too young to remember, but there was a day when we had these things called VCRs and tapes, and we used to <laughs> stick tapes in to record episodes of television or movies that we wanted to see and save it for a later date and that was just sort of normal you know people aren't doing that anymore it's i i people are doing it all the time one little stroll down pirate bay is all you need to see that that culture is alive and well and thriving in fact Um, but we do we we do not promote that or or no no, condone that behavior just as an example just as an example to see how prolific it is and how ridiculous it is that this they you know this whack-a-mole game of trying to slap down people who are doing a thing that is not that this you know that are crossing this arbitrary line of like well you know I know that you can easily with modern technology copy the medium and that there's no limit on how many times it can be you know you know spread because there's really no overhead it's just you know, invisible bits and nether space, you know, it's not really a big deal. Uh, despite all of that, we're going to try to charge a uh, the same price as we were getting in the late 80s for uh, manufactured <laughs> cartridges. Uh, and that's just uh, what's up, you know, instead of realizing that that is a, uh, a poor business model for the reality of, of modern day. Um, we're just going to, you know, double down, double down and legislate and, you know, you know, enforce and regulate and not change their business model to get a little bit ranty. Why the fuck <laughs> is Netflix so popular and rich because they provided an option that did not that 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 sorry, that did accurately reflect the reality of the situation. And so the business model takes off. It's not rocket science. It's just <laughs> Filling in the Just appropriate business, gap, yeah. you know? God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Second article. You already got a little rant. Good, good, good. This is entertainment, folks. What? I don't... Onavo? How do you even say this? Uh, o- Onavo or Onavo. I don't know. Onavo. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> One Navo. Oh, no. O- Onavo. Onavo. I don't care. So... In the era of mass surveillance and data breaches and, you know, your personal information being compromised a lot, the use of a VPN, I feel like, is becoming a little bit more in the the view of, of the average consumer. I think people are paying a little bit more attention to that now. So anecdotally, I get lots of calls about it. Good. Yeah, I get lots of Good. calls and, and uh, from people who want to secure their traffic or just like, you know, they, they, they've heard of this VPN thing. Uh, they heard that it can make it uh, make them invisible online, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Good. 
So you have a lot of options when it comes to VPNs. We've talked about it before. We were more than happy to talk about those options again. If people are interested, what I what we're we're talking about today is this service called Onavo and its relationship with Facebook. So Facebook is obviously used by a lot of people and they have offered that there's a, an option that you can click in your Facebook called protect and it kind of advertises itself as this virtual private network called Anavo to help protect your uh, your information, your traffic, what you're doing. And through Facebook, I imagine that a lot of people, you know, if they're not informed, will say, hey, it's right there. It's easy to access. I already use Facebook all the time. I don't need to do another thing. Well, you do need to download the app, but whatever. Um, the problem is, is that this, this Onavo, it's an Israeli company, is not really so much protecting that information as much as collecting it <laughs> along with Facebook's other very aggressive information collecting endeavors. And so this is more of a, a, I guess a PSA that you should really do your research when you're looking at VPN services. And if it's free, you need to be careful of that. If it's free, that company is getting money from somewhere. And this service is definitely falling in that category. It's, well, to, to kind of use the, the vibe from the article that we're referencing to, it's vampiric <laughs> in, in what it collects. There's a really good paragraph in, in this article that I just like to, I think I'm going to read it verbatim because it, it pretty perfectly illustrates the problem of using this product given to you by Facebook. VPNs work by forcing your level on... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just cut that out. Okay. <clears throat> What's wrong with me? <laughs> okay, man. Woo. Man woo. Man woo. <laughs> VPNs. No. VPNs. <laughs> I'm a man, damn it. Use my man voice. Man woo. Sorry, I ruined this entire segment here. <laughs> VPNs work by forcing your laptop or mobile device to establish a connection to a third-party server before then connecting you to any websites or online, online services. Using an encrypted tunnel, a VPN can prevent your broadband or wireless provider like AT&T or Comcast or, you know, the... What, you know, anybody on that shitty Wi-Fi network that you don't know anything about that you just connected to from, you know, your car on the street, <clears throat> uh, um, it can prevent them from keeping track of the websites that you visit. What's more, a VPN service can mask your own IP address from those websites, helping you traverse the net without surrendering, surrendering your locational data. VPNs also help users in authoritarian countries bypass censorship by convincing websites what their country of origin is, for example, the US or Switzerland, the latter of which has some of the world's strictest privacy laws. So if you connect to a VPN, depending on how that VPN is configured, 
it can take a copy and log every action you do on the internet, every site you connect to, every service you use, everything. Um, but not all of them do that. In fact, the good ones, the ones that you realistically have to pay money for, correct, go out of their way to make sure that there are no logs kept. Yep. So if they get subpoenaed, the only thing they can provide is pretty much a blank piece of paper. That's right. They don't have it. Um, one of the most oft-recommended VPN services out there is Private Internet Access. And they are an American company, which gives a lot of people some pause, you know, especially in this quote-unquote post-Snowden world. I'd like to world. keep my hands, please. Yeah. Um, they actually have been dragged into court on a couple occasions uh, to, you know, by the FBI to provide um, that data, and they they have been unable to do so. They literally walk into court and be like, yo, we do not have it. <laughs> like, you're welcome to check everything. We literally do not keep logs. Like, there's there's nothing. There's zero. Um, I, I like them. It's not an endorsement. It's just one of the most recommended ones. Um, mm -hmm. So... Uh, that is an example of a VPN done right. VPN done wrong would be something uh, like this that is logging literally everything you do by connecting to it. It's like it's like taking a local copy first before letting you out onto the open internet. Correct. Yes, it masks your identity from your ISP. But not from Facebook. But not from Facebook. So however you pronounce this stupid thing, use... Something else. Use a real <laughs> VPN. Uh, the top three that I do recommend are uh, private internet access, uh, ExpressVPN, and AirVPN in no particular order. Yes, I would and agree with that. Just depends on what you need it for. Right. Let's talk about... <laughs> I think... I think... Mark it on the calendar. Today is the 11th of March, 2018. All day. Colin, I think this is our first space piracy story. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's what it is. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and it's funny because I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what this is. <laughs> this is what, yeah, this is what's going on here. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, we're all big fans of the FCC, <laughs> but they have, um, in this case, actually uh, pointed out something that is, is probably worth pointing out. <clears throat> uh, there's a company, a uh, young company uh, from Silicon Valley that uh, launched four recently of its uh, prototype communication satellites. It's, you know, worth remembering... Uh, we're not talking about like something that's the size of Hubble, right? They're, they're like, you know, satellites like this for companies like this are like maybe the size of your laptop. Mm -hmm. Maybe they might be smaller than that. Even they're just these little tiny things that go up and, you know, take up a much smaller amount of space than, than we sort of imagine. But there's a lot of shit up in space. We've only, you know, just, just to be clear, we have left a mess of course, everywhere we go in low orbit as well and there's a lot of junk and like it's old satellites lot. it it's a lot to keep track of and you know when you're talking about you know tens of thousands of miles per second 
uh, even a screw becomes a very a pretty, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, a, a bad scene. It's a bad scene. So we do like to keep tabs on what goes up into space and stays in lower orbit. orbit. Yeah. That's just sort of, I think, a nicety of, you know, the whole scene. So uh, this company, <laughs> uh, Swarm, I think, is the uh, company Swarm Technologies. They sent four of these little, uh, right? Jesus Christ, guys, yeah, come if on. If you played Horizon Zero Dawn and finished it, you know why that sounds scary. It, It's just, yeah. It, I mean, even if you haven't, like me, I know, I know, I'm not going to buy a PS4. But um, even No, if it you, only sounds scary to us. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the brand, you know. No, it's, ter- it's terrible. It sounds technology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just call it Skynet for fuck's sake. <laughs> we are the swarm. They loaded four of these bad boys onto a uh, rocket that was launched to the Indian uh, Space Agency and uh, put them up into space and they're using them. It's a, a prototype communication satellite that is part of their next generation Internet of Things communications product. There you go. We hit all the buzzwords. What's the problem <laughs> with that? Well, they didn't actually have permission. And in fact, their application had been outright denied, not just to go into space, but to uh, even use the spectrum, <laughs> the airwaves that they had, uh, you know, that they are using, that they are using right now with their four satellites in space currently. So the FCC kind of like was upset. <laughs> they, they're kind of like not OK with that. Um, and uh, citing the denied application, they are um, going to pursue legal action against Swarm Technology uh, to to you know either get them removed or or penalize them in a in a a, a pretty intense way. This is um, there's not again there's not a lot of case law or or you know precedent regarding this situation, so it behooves the FCC to go for maximum penalty that they can possibly get so that they can maintain that you know, dominion over the, the segment of this industry. Right. But yeah, I'm not surprised we don't have a lot of space piracy law in the books. Cause, <laughs> cause I mean, what an awesome problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> but yeah, it's bad. You can't launch shit you in space that, and like, yeah. you know, <laughs> expect people not to get pissed off. Swarm technologies. What the hell were you thinking? You assholes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> now, I'm not saying the application process is, is fair. I don't know anything about it. Maybe it's ridiculous. Maybe it, you know, maybe it sucks. But, you know, yeah, you, you can't. You just, can't just shoot stuff into space willy nilly. Yeah, like that. That could that goes off the rails real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in the wake of in the wake of the news that Twitter is finally actually profitable for the first time in its entire history, <laughs> we find ourselves in a situation with Twitter in modern life that I don't think anybody who has been using the service for longer than, you know, six months could have ever predicted. <laughs> I would have never guessed in a million years, even a year ago, let alone, you know, 10 years ago, that Twitter, just say the word, Twitter would apparently be such a public common space 
so that it 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 it, it's, it is as ubiquitously owned, I guess, in, in public consciousness, ubiquitously trafficked and and um, used as the park square in your hometown. Mm. <laughs> but here we are. Twitter is Twitter is, you know, it's everything. It's 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 uh, the most important website in the world, at least according to russian bot writers right <laughs> who can mechanize and and just uh i'm gonna start that over yes <laughs> they are able to just roboticize just millions and millions of tweets and is shown to have a large impact especially on certain political leaning members of our society <laughs> convincing them to go and protest and 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 whatnot and has had some pretty awful impacts uh including the the charlottesville um incident that was largely motivated by these these russian twitter robots and so what Twitter has finally done is started to crack down on those those accounts, those accounts that send out millions and millions of tweets that are automated. And this has made the right wing alt right folks pretty mad. And I don't care that they're mad. <laughs> <laughs> I got to admit, man. You know what? This is this is uh, we're going to I want to approach this really carefully because people have like strong opinions on it in a lot in a lot of different directions. Um, but I have to admit, I have a lot of trouble, like just the pill that is hard for me to swallow is. That the is the idea that. A. Twitter is, or any service like this, is that important in people's lives so as to, like, just negate your actual stimulus through your person, you know, to usurp your own logic centers. Like, in order for me to believe this fully, I basically have to, like, accept that that more than half of the people that I meet every single day are not capable of basic, like, fact-checking or basic, like, you know, just media understanding. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if I believe that. So, I mean, I mean, and I mean, and, you know, so, 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 so hit me. What do I, what am I missing? Like, you know, like what, why is it that, you know, I don't, I don't give a shit if a bot gets, you know, this is, this is like <laughs> truly Twitter is a private, you know, it's, it's a company. It's a private space. It's like, it's like being in my office or something. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not a public space, you know, like I, you know, you don't, you don't have to do business with me. And I can paint my office with, you know, whipped cream 
<laughs> and if that bothers you, then go go find another IT shop, I guess. <laughs> but like, you know, not not to not to equate hate speech with you know putting food on my walls, but <sighs> no, I, I I see I see what you're saying. I think, unfortunately, the I think the science behind kind of group think and hive mind and that that kind of tendency for humans to I'm also trying to phrase things carefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ten, the tendency for humans to go along with something when they are incapable of refuting it on their own um i think is very pervasive and i think it's very effective and i think that these these robots these these bot accounts are very very effective at preying on and targeting those people that are most sensitive to being swayed in that way mm. and and i i understand that th those people have to accept some sort of personal accountability for their own beliefs but yeah, i guess that is the fulcrum that that makes me uh, yeah no you think th that's it right there is like i don't like the idea that this you know we can just blame russia and then all a bunch of shithead fucking racist nazi murderers down in charlottesville are off the hook i agree no, no, no. I, I completely agree with that with that statement. I guess what I I I, uh, I go back and forth a lot on this because yeah. I don't I don't want to shut down a person's ability to say what it is that they want to say because that's a dangerous precedent. On the other hand, I don't I personally don't want to create a safe space for racist Nazis to say what they want to say about that. My tolerance for free speech does have a limit and, and it's there. And I feel like these, these Twitter bots are able to, to facilitate that. And they're being manipulated in a very deliberate way in order to sow the seeds of social dis discord hmm. or uh, um not discord um discontent thank you god <laughs> yes um and i think it's very disruptive mm -hmm. and i think if it wasn't so targeted if it was just you know i don't know if it wasn't so methodical mm -hmm. uh it might I might not take so much issue with it, but yeah. I think because it's so methodical, it's so targeted. I mean, these these Twitter bots were able to promote and facilitate these these protests <laughs> that were that were being held by these alt right and and racist people. It created a um, a feeding ground for them, yeah. a place for them to 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 grow <laughs> in their racism, and so I I don't think that we should be so tolerant as to ignore that. I think this is a place where where 
we might have a, a tiny bit of a difference of opinion because the part the the part I think the I I agree with with almost everything that you just said except for the part where I don't have a limit to my ability to let people talk. Um, there's no I don't care personally. This is Christopher's opinion, and I know I'm going to get hate for this, but I'm I'm just for the purposes of having this conversation about it about because it's a big deal. It, um, I don't think that you can say anything that you that let me let me uh, say this right. There is no thing that I feel justified limiting no thing that is said that I feel justified limiting no words, no, no ideas, no concepts that I feel like we as a, as a separate human being have the right to, to turn off. You know, we do not have the ability to control somebody else's mouth. Um, we do have the ability to control our mouths and our hands and our fists, if it comes down to it, um, but not you, you, you know what I'm you know what I mean? Like it, of course, it's like yeah. uh, it's I have I I, I think that oh no 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 it's it's okay. Uh, let me let me just finish this thought or I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. lose it. But what does usurp all of this is that Twitter is not the town square. <laughs> Twitter is not the fire department. Twitter is a privately owned company. So they can do whatever the fuck they want on their platform and we don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> like it, like nobody except for the shareholders and the people who work at Twitter have any right to tell Twitter what to do with Twitter. So if they want to ban assholes and racists and shit, that is 100% their their thing. And use something else if you want to put your, you know, you say racist things into the wind. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that's the problem is it feels like we're talking about three things at once in this in this thread. You know what I mean? We're talking mm -hmm. about like how much Russian bots were able to influence discourse, discourse and electoral results in this country. We're talking about how important social media is in our in 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 our how important social media is in our current lives and we're talking about you know what is what is public and what is private you know all of these things are are intertwined and they're they're very there's there's a lot of overlap i think that's probably why mm -hmm. you know we and and a lot of people have trouble even talking about this issue no agreed absolutely so I mean, it's so it's complicated. Like, Shiny podcast <laughs> doesn't like racists, doesn't want to listen to racists, and doesn't want to have place to be hanging out in places where racists talk. But Shiny podcast also doesn't want to make it impossible for racists to talk. We just want to be better than them which shouldn't be hard but have better arguments and in and when necessary beat them into submission and shutting the fuck up rather than turning off their ability to speak if okay. this makes any sense yes fair enough i will i will sum it up on my end by by something that uh, uh, ricky gervais says fairly often and I'm paraphrasing here. You you have the right to free speech. You don't have the right for me to respect 
your opinion or even listen to it or acknowledge it and you don't have the right for me not to tell you to shut the fuck up 100 percent. in fact cut everything i said and just do that <laughs> this is gonna be a very heavily edited episode apparently yep <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's that's perfect great cool More positive news, uh, Android P, the as of yet unnamed next version of the Android operating system has released the first developer preview for devs to get their hands on. And holy moly, this is actually a pretty different looking thing. Yeah, there's quite a bit here. It's a lot of change, <laughs> quite, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, I had to I had to skim the article and I was running out of time. <laughs> it was just like. Thing after thing, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I think that this update, uh, it, it brings a lot of visual change to the operating system yes. in, in, the, in the way that the system itself is presented to you. And I think there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of love and a lot of hate for it because it's different and it's different enough that people will have opinions <laughs> <laughs> regardless of whether or not they are valid. But, right. um, one, some of uh, the sort of uh, big points from the visual side of it is that things become a lot more rounded. Um, things become um, a lot more uh, bubbled. Like there's a lot of like uh, a lot of icons with sort of like graphic around them. You know, there's like bubbles mm -hmm. that change colors and toggles or buttons that are not just symbols floating in space you know there's a lot of, of attention to that right. um there's a, a change that's been done to the way that uh volume uh like a control like audio control works across um your media your calls and your notifications and all of that the way that that's presented to you is is really different uh placement of the clock and support for oh i'm really gonna hate saying this the notch <laughs> I was waiting Support for, for the notch. For so phones weird. that have a notch, like the iPhone 10 or X or whatever it is, uh, it, there's going to be support for that too. Why are they overhauling this uh, at this at this time? What is the uh, the goal here, and why is it such a, a drastic departure from previous releases? I think I have no idea. <laughs> I think that inside Google, when it comes to Android uh, and the Pixel project, I think is, is evidence of this, they really want to, at least they think they can, and they're trying to beat Apple at their own game. Okay. And there is a, I, 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 I'm sorry to use this, this term, but I think that uh, if you were to compare the early shots, nothing is set in stone, by the way. Because um, this is just the developer preview number one. There's probably like three or four of them to come out over the next couple months. Okay. Um, but if you were to look at this, I think that you would be able to see some real design parallels between Android P and iOS. Which, I mean... <laughs> okay. So much okay. would be different together, right? Well, right. I just... <laughs> uh, man... 
I mean, there's a reason that I I stopped buying iPhones because I didn't want an iPhone. <laughs> it's it's odd because you know we almost have this this weird Android is a weird thing. It's a weird beast, and and it's a you know it doesn't work like other operating systems in that you know the base of it is open source, and then you know different manufacturers put whatever they put on it in in you know in their way Mm -hmm. the 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 proliferation of the pixel project yeah you like that um (laughs) and its success you know has sort of made this tiered situation within google when it comes to this open source android right where like they have their their skin that they put on their android but they're still the the provider the vendor for the source code for Mm -hmm. everybody else right right so android now is sort of maybe even more than it ever has been it's tethered to the strategy tax of the design team of the pixels Gotcha. At least that's that's my sense. I don't know if I'm right. About yeah, that. no, that that no, that seems I probably agree with that assessment. So when it, I think that my read on this is that Android P is a very design focused uh, uh, release, um, you know, eight and seven, actually, basically five through eight were, you know, really uh both under the hood changes, battery optimization, and the uh, rollout of the treble um, stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, overhauls of the entire of all visual aspects of of Android to you know bring that in line with their material design ethos. And I think what we're seeing is the beginning of material design v two point yeah, and in fact, I think they make reference to that as material design too. Yeah, yeah I think I probably saw <laughs> yeah. that from them. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I mean, they look interesting. I mean, it. Uh, I, I can't find it now, but I'm. I thought it said one of the things that I did really miss from from my iPhone days is if I wanted to go back, I could and forward, I could swipe. Yeah. It wasn't like I had to hit the back button or the forward button. It's like I could swipe. I think they might be uh, integrating That's that. Nice feature i would just i i I think i'd probably with treble now uh and uh, i i think i could just about stop caring (laughs) about all these new features (laughs) if they would simply implement a native dark mode that would be just oh god the white oh god the white Yeah, so we'll we'll pay attention to this. There's several more versions, and who knows this this is just the first attempt, and you know they're trying to get feedback and criticism and all that to integrate it. So it's uh it's interesting, interesting to see what Android P will be. <laughs> Very <Thank> good. <laughs> I'm gonna go out. Uh, it's gonna be peppermint, really. Like, is it gonna be anything else? It's gonna be peppermint. No, of course it's gonna be peppermint. <laughs> like Android O is Oreo. Is Pebbleman. Is Pebbleman, baby. No, uh, Android Paprika. Yeah, yeah, Android. We're, we're switching directions. We're uh, going <laughs> to your spice cabinet. Android Parsley. <laughs> uh, Android Popcorn. <laughs> Perhaps 
uh, you didn't notice if you're not on GitHub all the time, but um, <laughs> recently uh, we we have experienced at this point in history what can only be described as the largest denial of service attack in history. Woohoo! And it targeted GitHub, which is a real pain in the ass for people who rely on GitHub for your work, by the way, which... Hey, that's me. That's you. That's me. <laughs> uh, so this past Monday, there was, in fact, a distributed denial of service attack against the website focused on open source code and providing repositories for your projects. Uh, GitHub, which uh, is, I'd say, uh, one of the more important websites on the Internet today. Right, I, I, I would agree with I, that. I think yeah. it's it's definitely up up there. Uh, they were able to uh, sustain, however, a, a a DDoS attack that this is insane. Um, yes, was using bandwidth <laughs> upwards of one point seven terabits per second. That is a bananas terabit, not a gigabit. A Terabit, a thousand times larger than that. One point seven of them per second, and and they sustained the attack, which is the crazy part. Yes, <laughs> like it, like it, it, it didn't. It, it, it was okay. <laughs> it, was, it was fine. Nobody got interrupted. I didn't even know it was happening, actually. <laughs> which is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane that we are in an era now where we can like that's a thing 1.7 terabits per second is a possible now, if, thing if only other organizations would implement such stalwart defenses were they on cloudflare or were they doing their own thing oh i don't know well it seems like a a, a thing that Probably I should have researched before this. We should probably know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. I do not know. Actually, they don't even talk about it in this article. Yeah, yeah, they don't bring it up. Well, we'll have to report back to you if they are on right. Cloudflare, if they're uh, deploying their own. Uh, <laughs> I know you're one mitigation. <laughs> Shervish, but sheesh. but but very very cool to see that yes, this that GitHub was able to defend against such an insane attack. And I think sets the bar. Well, I hope. I, I really hope <laughs> other organizations can can do the same, or strive to do the same, because they aren't now. Ghostery, the ad blocking, anti tracking, proprietary blob in the upper right hand corner of your proprietary browser has actually gone open source this week. I used to use Ghostry back in the day when I was rocking the Macintoshes. Have you ever used it? No. Mm -mm. It was a good one for a while, but I uh, eventually migrated away from it because, of course, it um, you know, was closed source. They also eventually did uh, went, went forward on a whitelisting uh, business model, which for those of you who don't know, when a ad blocker or anti-tracker for your browser uh, whitelists uh, websites. It means that they allow those websites, those pre-approved web websites that ostensibly have paid them a certain amount of money, 
Uh, it allows them through to your browsing session, so you actually do get the ads of the approved advertisers. Sound nefarious? Gotcha. Sound like uh, not something that you want your anti-tracker or anti-ad uh, system to do? Well, you would be right about that. Yes. <laughs> But apparently this has been something they've been working for for a long time. So if you are using Ghostry uh, and, and you find it to be working for you, I think that you would be probably pretty happy to know that they've um, committed to putting the code for this, uh, this, this web extension uh, out for people to see. I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Right on. I'm not going to use it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that all their file names... Or uh, hold on to your buttons. Oh, yeah, the, co the commit messages. Yeah, I know. They're like, okay, here we go, guys. <laughs> that is really funny, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all from four days ago. <laughs> all from four days ago. Although, you know what? For like, uh, it's, been out, uh, it's been open source for four days. There are 300 stars on GitHub. That's pretty cool. And 24 forks well, already. Right so there you go. <laughs> right on. <laughs> of course. Um, what do you use, by the way? What is, what are, what's your stack for anti-track? Um, I mean, I have my, I mean, uh, ad blocker just, yeah. Do you have a, a recommendation for the audience or, oh, um, uh, uh, ad block, sorry. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. Using ad block. Yeah. That, I mean, I pretty, pretty basic does its job. Uh, a lot of websites now are, it's really annoying. You'll go to a website and it'll say, Hey, we rely on advertisements to make money. It's like, yeah, well, I don't want to look at them. Not only that, but like stop doing business with people that, you know, feed cancer directly into my customers' web browsers. Yes, correct. It's like if you're going to like if you're going to bitch and moan about not making money on ad revenue, like spend 10 minutes investigating the company you're doing business with to make sure that they're not feeding literal malware down people's throats. Correct mundo. So yeah, I just use AdBlock. Yeah. I know that I know that's fairly fairly basic and non-technical, but yeah, yeah, if it works, that's what I use. I was just curious. I use uh, uBlock Origin for the, okay. for the ads, which is a good one, and right on. um, the EFF's anti-tracking extension, uh, Privacy Badger. Oh, cool! Right on. I should probably do the same. Yeah, give it a shot <laughs> if it works. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of ways to skin yeah. that cat, but yeah. I like them. <laughs> I don't want to skin my cat. <laughs> uh, Privacy Badger in particular, I recommend. I feel like a lot of ad blockers are kind of created equal, but like Privacy Badger um, kills uh, like pixel tracking, you know, like when you load that okay. special yeah. pixel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, which is awesome. And it's done by the EFF and it's open source. And, you know, yeah, that's great. Love them. So, right on. Colin. Take this this one. This is, uh, I think, one that you put in uh, from Ars Technica. The gaming industry is pushing back against efforts to uh, restore gameplay servers for out of print games. Sure. So, do do you do much, or you know, did you ever do you ever do much like online multiplayer games? Um. I have in the past. I haven't much late. I mean, uh, randos. No, not as much now. I kind of want to know who I'm playing against, mostly because sure. my skin is so thin that if a 10 year old calls me a <laughs> pussy, I'll probably cry. Right on. So I I never I, I don't play many online multiplayer games. I didn't really in the past. Um, I did a little World of Warcraft, but other than that, not not really. So what? 
what I found really interesting about this article, so so what's going on? The Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, or MADE, is leading the charge for an expansion of the um, DMCA, the, I can't find, I can't remember what, uh, sorry, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. They're looking for an exemption to preserve um, abandoned online video games, you know, abandoned servers for defunct games that are long, no longer being played. So they want to preserve those those servers in order to do further research uh, and be able to research those games in a playable format. So not just being able to, you know, look at them and look at the code. They want to actually be able to play them for research purposes. Unfortunately, once the server goes down, you're kind of screwed. The, well, right. Sorry. Yeah. So when that server goes down, there's, there's nothing left. And, and, for the ones that they might be able to restore, unfortunately, the Entertainment Software Association, or the ESA, which represents lots of major game publishers, um, is arguing that simulating that proprietary server code uh, requires copying large parts of the kind of internal workings of the games in question um that content was never really distributed to the public and so made the, the museum um of art and digital entertainment is trying to say that we can't really preserve the history of these things we can't really study these games unless we can use them in a playable format that's reasonable yeah and and so i i, I think it 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 raises an interesting question that I hadn't really thought of before because we are currently living in the expansion of video games where they're a very important part of our day-to-day culture. And some people might argue with that, but I would say that they, I mean, look at video games 15 years ago and look at them today. The artistic work that goes into them, the amount of gaming companies that are out there creating games, uh, the way that gaming is making its way into like esports, right? You know, it's, it's becoming more and more important. And so from an anthropological point of view, we really should be preserving that information, we really should be studying how those games were made, how they were played. And I, I think it's great that made is the the museum of art and digital entertainment is really pushing to preserve that information because i think it's it is really important from that research perspective but again unfortunately the esa does not see it that way they're worried that <laughs> that people are going to want to play those games again if they're made available in a research setting and therefore they'll be losing revenue which i think is a BS argument because their games nobody plays anymore. Who cares? Yeah, my understanding is that they don't actually <laughs> sell them anymore. No, exactly. So what's the harm in in having them in a playable format for research purposes? And well, they just don't see it that way. So this is something that's sort of be like know, Chevrolet or Ford say like Ford saying that you can't restore a Model T because it might eat into their fusion sales. 
Right. You know, it's, like it's, it's it'd also be like a library saying you can't read that out of print book because you need to purchase the new version. You need to purchase the new version. Just like college. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> right. So I hope that this moves in the favor of of made, um, but perpetually a pessimist. I I, I worry. This is, by the way, this uh, the type of thing that can be influenced by the Red Box v. Disney Correct. case that we were talking yes. about at the beginning of the show. Look at Look that. that. Italian. We drew, we drew two dots on the wall and we drew a line between them. <laughs> Aren't we clever? Oh, shit. No cleverness. No cleverness. We cannot be clever. This is a problem I did not know existed until I saw this article. Yeah, me neither. It's not. It's something I hadn't really considered before. Have you ever seen a still shot of the moment that the uh, race car drivers hit the gas on an, like an F one race? No, it's re- it's amazing. It like the 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 tires like contort and twist as like the drivetrain spins way faster than the rubber does at first, right? This just illustrates torque. It's like, look yes. at this, you know, incredible force and the way that the tire has to stretch and accommodate in order to do so, right? Well, never thought of uh, of the fact that now that electric cars are becoming more of a thing, that, uh, and, and electric cars, um, by design, an electric engine has infinitely more torque than an internal combustion engine does. You know, ICEs, they kind of ramp torque up gradually as you increase. Uh, power, but but an electric uh, engine or electric motor, you just it's all there. Boom. It is yeah. all there. Instant, one hundred percent torque. Boom, you got it right on demand. So, what's that doing to your tires? Yeah, turns <laughs> out that's actually not a great thing. Uh, tires, traditional tires, are as as you know, even highly advanced ones that we've been using, they actually are not very good at keeping up with the torque requirement requirements of your average Tesla Roadster. So. It became in. Uh, uh, it's become rather important for tire manufacturers to develop a solution to that. And so Goodyear has a new tire that is for electric cars only. To look at it, it actually looks like a very low-profile tire, like something that you might, you know, you might purchase aftermarket for right. BMW, right? But it's a tire designed specifically to handle the torque requirements of an electric engine. Big wheel with a thin amount of tire between uh, separating the you know the the metal wheel to the to the edge, right? But a highly reinforced uh, and and strong tire that will take that 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 you know rotational torque. Man, that's fascinating. Yeah, and, and again, just something that I had not really considered would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. It's just you know evidence that like you know. That this this is to me like the, the the clearest sign that electric cars are really are really on the rise. Yeah, that good, yeah. good year is like, hey, we should uh, get in on that. Let's just like preemptively address this problem with a solution and a product that uh, is you know uh, going to be purchasable. Like you know that's there it is. It's like it's like when the iPhone shipped, it was cool, but you knew it it was a thing when you could walk into a TJ Maxx and buy like iPhone accessories. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing here. Absolutely. Also interested by this 
tire filled with living moss. <laughs> I think yeah, that, that was I saw the that too. precursor to this idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah. Use, use a, a, a instead of filling it with air, use a, a, a some some intermediary that perpetually reinflates itself. God, talk about green and green in, <laughs> industry. I love it. Moss wow. tires. <laughs> Okay, this next article is of particular interest to me. Um, <laughs> so uh, Chrome OS, Google's web-based operating system for laptops, which can recently run Android apps we talked about a couple weeks back, mm -hmm. uh, has even more up its sleeve. Apparently, Google is working on preparing support for regular old desktop Linux applications in Chrome OS. Right on. That's pretty cool because that would give you access to things like um, GIMP on Chrome OS. That's really cool. You know, or TeamViewer <laughs> on Chrome <laughs> OS, Audacity on Chrome OS, um, Open Broadcaster, OBS on Chrome OS. I mean, there's a lot of really cool ways that, that, you know, apps that you don't even know have dual support for Windows and Linux would now be available on Chrome OS mm -hmm. uh, with this project that they're calling Crustini. <laughs> so if you've been uh, in the uh, IT industry in the last couple of years, you've probably heard the word container a couple thousand times. <laughs> uh, con and, and it is via these C groupings. Uh, <laughs> For, for your for your kernel nerds out there, uh, that they are able to implement this. Basically, what they're going to do is they're going to uh, containerize each application and uh, within its own little model for uh, Chrome OS, and with it will ship all of the dependencies necessary to make that application run. Being that the uh, lowest level level of Chrome OS is just a regular old Linux kernel, anyway, uh, that's going to pass right through and work pretty pretty well. That's great. That's fantastic. Chrome OS has always felt kind of limited to to me. Um, I've <laughs> I've only played with it a little bit, but I've always been apprehensive of actually purchasing a, a Chromebook, uh, just because I I figured I'd probably hit the wall of what. Yeah, I I, at the at the technical level that you're at, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it it I think that. It's an amazing thing for both uh, school or for schools, for businesses, and uh, for less technically inclined people. I think that it's it's amazing because it's really really hard to break. Right, uh, but they're very very simple. Yes, they're very bare bones, which is great if that's all that you if you need a web browser and a word processor and that's all that you need. It's great. Like, or if you're just like totally uh, looped into the Google system and right. you're using all that stuff anyway, it's great. Which I am yeah, more and more, it seems. But anyway, um, <laughs> despite my efforts. I also think this is uh, from a sort of uh, slightly more macro level. Uh, interesting because it, it reinforces that. Well, look, Microsoft spent millions and millions of dollars in man hours developing the Windows subsystem for Linux, which is bringing in parts of Linux into the, the Windows system, mm -hmm. into the Windows environment, right? Now to see Google doing the same thing with Chrome OS, it, I think, solidifies the sense that underneath all of the glitz of Silicon Valley and, and of tech reporting and underneath all the shiny new that, that you know gets all of the attention, 
Linux is actually growing at a pace, uh, and it's a pace that is higher in the areas where these companies really want to have a foothold. Yeah. In 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 the technical space, in in the creation space, in the design space, and in the um, uh, development space. Linux is becoming more and more prevalent and that's, you know, because those people tend to be the drivers of, of what's what's new and shiny, mm-hmm. that's where these companies want to be. Right on. So now we're going to report on this, but we're all aware of a little thing called valve time. So <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. Half-Life 3 confirmed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, not at all. Not even close. <laughs> so uh, Valve has announced that they are working on first of several new games. Uh, Artifact being the first of them. Now, if I if I understand this correctly, Artifact is a trading card game dota based on dota um is that correct did i did i understand yes, that correctly yes. kind of a, a la well is it a trading card game or is it like um or is it like gwent or um hearthstone or is it like is it like a uh like competitive game or is it just trading cards I don't know. Okay, uh, yeah, it's not I, released I yet. I could. Uh, well, <laughs> I know this. I didn't. I. I. Yeah. Uh, this article does not address that at all. It says I, I it's think a trading card. Some game. of our, our <laughs> deeper Dota fans would probably be able to tell us. But yeah, I've uh, never played Dota. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've dabbled be with it. about this. Yeah, it's just. It's just. It's you know. You well, you know. Full disclosure. It's just not Colin or my kind of thing. But I know that there are people who love it. Uh, you know. Man, at PAX East last year, I remember standing in line waiting to get into the building, and and our friend our friend John was wearing a, a Dota shirt, and there was another person in line, and they they were exchanging words that I just oh, and I've got this whatever factor and a factor of blah blah blah, and I was just like, I have no you. I, I don't no, know. it's good for us geeks to go through what? that every once in a while, though, because I think that like we just sort of like we leave that in our wake without realizing it. You know what oh, I mean? Of course, yeah. <laughs> like, it's good to 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 get a little bit of that sometimes. But I'm with you. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know a. Uh, you know, see, I can't even make the joke. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> That's when you really know you don't know anything about a thing. You can't make a joke about right, it. Right. Right. <laughs> but. What's no laughing matter is uh, Gabe Newell, the famous owner and co-founder of Valve, who was, you know, is sort of the face of the company and um, and somehow the company's, you know, successful despite that fact. The (laughs) (laughs) maker of Steam and the uh, Portal and Half-Life games has said that Valve is returning to the game publishing business and will not only be releasing this game, Artifact, this year, but there are several more games that are coming down the pipe from Valve. Oh man, E3 is going to be nuts if uh... yeah, if, <laughs> if it's real, if if, yeah. if it's real. But again, Valve takes what the time that Valve takes. So, truth to quote Gabe, 
We've always been a little bit jealous of companies like Nintendo. When Miyamoto is sitting down and thinking about the next version of Zelda or Mario, he's thinking about what the controller is going to look like and what sort of graphics and other capabilities they have. Uh, you can introduce new capabilities like motion input, input because the controls both of those things. And he can make the hardware look as good as possible because he's designing the software at the same time. That's, and that's, that's, that's really going to take advantage of that hardware. So that's something that we've been jealous of, and that's something you'll see us taking advantage of subsequently. Fuck, I hope that means they're writing Linux games, because if I'm not <laughs> wrong, SteamOS is Linux. Uh, I believe that was that, you know, that whole thing. So Totally. Mm -hmm. ugh, we, will, we will see. They probably will, honestly. Like, they're, you know, Valve games run great on Linux. But either way... They're releasing stuff, or at least they want you to think they are. <laughs> I um I really think that E3 is going to be a bombshell this year. It was pretty lackluster last year. I think we're going to see... Some make good? Yeah, I think we're going to see some big announcements from Valve. I think we're going to get an announcement on Cyberpunk 2077. I really do. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, there have been some inklings that I think are indicating that that's going to be the case. There was a tweet, if I'm not mistaken, yes, from the Cyberpunk right. Twitter that's, account. That's really what I'm referring to. And yeah, the, the hype train left the station when I saw that. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, the, yeah, it's, the, the hype is real. The hype is real. Yeah. That, right on. that would, that would be a day one purchase for me, I think. Oh, for sure. I think I'd have to do that, given how good Oh, man, was. I'm, I'm not related. I'm, I'm just so excited for Far Cry 5. I really, really am. Oh my god! It looks really good, dude. It, I checked yeah. out uh, what was. Um, I'm not going to remember now, but I did look up some of the DLC. What was the? What was the? Uh, what were you super pumped about? So there are three. There are three of. There are three of them. One is based in Vietnam. Uh, another is based on Mars. Yes. And another That's is based on like zombie horde. Oh, gosh. Yes. A la like original Call of Duty like zombie mode esque. Um. They all look amazing, uh, especially the one on, on Mars. I thought that that was just... I don't care if it's a reskin of some gun or creature, whatever. It's It looks amazing. I'm really, really excited. It's a couple of weeks out, and and I'm just I'm just stoked for it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, if, I, if I got the dollars for it, I think I'm going to do it. Dude. Mostly because I, I think that, you know, co-op play sounds like the best I thing ever. I need a buddy to play yeah, that game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, don't, don't, don't hold me to it, but if, if things are looking good, then I think, yeah, we're, we're going to have to do it. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. We have three more articles. You probably noticed by now that we do not have a, a, a deep dive this week because we just had so nope. much news to get through. But we're going to consider the next three articles sort of the, uh, the, the roundup, the things that didn't, you know, weren't, weren't quite at the top, right? Because that's how linear time works. But sure. <laughs> but I think they're still important to talk about. So let's let's plow right through these. Something odd is happening in the country of Israel, and I'm not talking about anything with any religious connotations. Israel has become something of a haven for companies that operate in the security and encryption space. I don't know why and I don't know what it is about Israel, but there are so many companies in that country that seem specifically targeted at, at cracking encryption, breaking into devices, and then selling those 
exploits to nation states and law enforcement. One such company, the uh, company named uh, named Celebrite, is claiming I hate that name I know, so I know, much. Right? God. Talk about like a like a uh, Celebrite. <laughs> I know, like that was absolutely went through committee. Um, <laughs> a camel, as it were. <laughs> they claim that they can unlock any iPhone that exists. Perhaps you're aware of the, uh, you know, the San Bernardino case where the FBI tried to force uh, Apple into uh, writing a backdoor into their encryption and they refused and it was this mm-hmm. big public thing and then the FBI just spent a million dollars anyway on some exploit from a company in Israel. Perhaps you remember that? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you don't, there it is. There it is. <laughs> so now, uh, because that in overnight turned it into a million dollar industry, uh, there's been more attention than ever by professionals to try to crack more these attention. devices. More attention than ever. <laughs> um, and they claim to have been able to usurp the secure enclave, the piece of hardware inside the iPhone that is uh, designed to handle your fingerprinting and what uh, eventually, uh, ostensibly the um, uh, face ID, um, not the not not the, the the you know the logic that controls the camera but the part that actually checks it against your image that would all go through the secure enclave which is a, a, right. I think of it as like a contained sort of like the baseband in your phone it is a contained device on the system on a chip it's like a whole other little os that does this one thing and one thing only with its own hardening so as to isolate it from the rest of the system that is the thing that they said that they have cracked and thusly if they can if they can crack that there's basically no part of the iphone there's no part of ios that isn't available to you at that point correct they still have to do it via brute force i mean they haven't found that is a very good point yes yeah yes they they are basically i i guess the technique that they've developed is the ability to take it and not lock the device while still trying to brute after the 10 attempts yeah they're they're able to bypass that that system that says you've tried 10 times we're locking the phone um they've been able to reset that each you know each subsequent 10 times or nine times um but but it is still via brute force. They have not found a more refined way right. <laughs> of doing it. That's that is worth pointing out um, because you know that would be it would be a much bigger deal if they had a, a an exploit that could uh, circumvent Correct. it rather than just like cracking it that the old fashioned right. way. Um, however, uh, I think this is just a great thing to point out uh, as we continually have the debate about privacy and uh, you know. Now there are members at of uh, law enforcement at the highest levels that are trying to compel legally these companies to build in back doors to their encryption. Let's just all uh, repeat after me: there is no safe back door. Encryption only works when it works. There is no safe back door. Encryption Correct. only works when it works. <laughs> Speaking of Apple. This is <laughs> this is actually kind of awesome, even though Apple did nothing to deserve this. Uh, <laughs> literally nothing, literally nothing to deserve this. <laughs> uh, it turns out that through efforts of a third party, Vulkan, the next generation uh, low-level graphics API from the uh, industry group known as the Kronos Group, um, the, that has developed OpenGL, perhaps you're familiar with it, uh, there is an implementation of Vulkan coming out for mac os and ios apple had 
nothing to do with it. They would much rather you use their own proprietary little their thing called metal or whatever. Outdated. Yeah, exactly. The They're way. like ignored, <laughs> like nobody gives a shit about, especially Apple API known as metal. Um, so uh, why is this important? Well, this is huge because Apple was kind of the last holdout of a, of a major vendor that wasn't implementing Vulkan. And um, uh, they, they, they now, uh, what these, this, this group has done is they have basically made a translation layer. Think it's going to be able on one side to take Vulcan calls and translate them into metal calls. So Vulcan will work as almost as, as good as a, as a, a native uh, metal write uh, in uh, Mac OS or iOS, but you won't have to rewrite your application. So any game that is targeting Vulkan will now be able to rot work on Mac OS and iOS. Right on. Now, that's a big deal. I think, um, I don't know how many people actually game seriously on a Macintosh, but there's a lot of mobile games on iOS. Correct. And that's where this is going to really be a big deal. It also basically ends the debate. Vulcan is the de facto the next standard. standard for the next generation yeah. of gaming, which is amazing. And I hope that this opens the door for more gaming on Macintosh, to, to, to be honest. I mean, I am not a Macintosh user, but I would like those people to be able to play video games too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I wished that the devotees of that company were offered a product by that company that was capable of doing that <laughs> you know put a well just put a damn graphics card in there you know what i mean that's that's what i'm talking about is i think that right you know even even your 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 you know most died in the wool apple fan i have to admit like you know the reason why people aren't buying the trash can mac pro is because it's not good enough for even that <laughs> application right it's just if it, you know if it used to be that you could get a, you know, they called them the cheese graters. Remember the big Macintosh towers? They were awesome. I had one. Oh, yeah. They were great. And you could just put in a graphics card when it was time to, to do so. Now everything is soldered to a motherboard so it can be three millimeters thick. And it can't do these tasks, right? <laughs> yes. But yeah, it'd be, Correct. It'd be great. Sorry. It'd be great if I'm... they were available for them. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. It's a wonderful life. I'm I'm laughing at your zero pulled punches. It's great. No, it's, it's, we haven't we haven't podcasted in a while. I got to get him in there before yeah before the end of the show, man. Uh, right. This uh, last article, Colin. Why don't you take it? It's been a thread we've been following since the GPU days. California now allows driverless cars without a human behind the wheel. That's it. There's my clip of the day. Drop mic. So, <laughs> um, California is now <laughs> allowing driverless cars uh, without a human behind the wheel. This is a you regulation that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so California had um, uh, until now uh, a regulation that mandated that a human had to be behind the wheel in a driverless car to, to be able to take over in the case of an emergency, if something went wrong, which I understand that argument. There was that accident last year where that person was not there to take over and he was ran into a, a semi and, and was killed. And 
So in cases like that, I understand why there's an argument for having a person behind the wheel to be able to take over. However, it is it was hindering advancement of the technology to become better um, because in, uh, companies didn't want to invest in the you know in in that technology in California. They were going to go to places like Arizona where the rules were a little <laughs> bit looser. What do you mean? And yeah, yeah. And and could experiment a little bit more. So California has decided that they are going to get on that bandwagon and and allow or, or get rid of that that rule. That's a big deal because a lot of people live in California. Correct. <laughs> and there's this little place I don't know if you heard about it, Silicon Valley, which might you know be an important place to develop said technologies to advance this even further. Yeah. Yeah, that that might be a big driving feature of this entire uh, <laughs> this entire thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's a big deal. I mean, basically, you know, it, it's often said once California adopts a certain law or certain rules, it's only a, a matter of time before the domino effect happens in the rest of the country. Right on. What's the old saying? California farts and the rest of the country smells bad. I say that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I, I always say that. <laughs> so I would predict I don't think this is going to like speed up our uh, our timeline of when driverless cars are going to happen. It's just that this is like a massive piece of the puzzle. Once you know, now you can test on there really isn't a, a, a biome or environment in the world, save a few that doesn't exist in California. Like you can basically right. test everything, all driving conditions yep. in California. Yeah, exactly. Snow, desert, mountains, and Hollywood. Suburbs, <laughs> big cities. Yeah, and yeah, if it can survive Hollywood, <laughs> it'll survive anything. They're coming, folks. Driverless I know because I've been there. No, I haven't. I think I think that's the news. This, this, I think that's that's it, guys. This is what happens when we, uh, you know, have uh, life tumult and upheaval, and have to, you know, <laughs> aren't able to be quite as weekly as we'd like. We have massive news episodes, but I think if 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 uh, you were wondering if you were wondering what are the most important stories from the last three weeks of uh, technology news, I think you pretty much got them. You just heard yeah, them. That's yeah. basically, I think, the most important things. In my opinion, and, uh, you know, I assume in yours as well. Correct. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, folks. Uh, we hope that you will tune in next week for either a full-fledged episode or it might be another Tiny Shiny. And we will, at the very least, in some format, be back next week. If you'd like to hit us up on Twitter, we're at kaliali 11 and at Fluxola. Check us out on Facebook, our website, shinypodcast.com. And of course, if you could be so kind as to hop onto that there iTunes and give us a rating, perhaps with five entire stars, so that the magical gnomes and gremlins that power the search algorithm in iTunes would bring our podcast higher in the ratings so as we can, so we can spread the shiny love to even more it's been fun. It Colin. goes along. I love goes you so much. Oh, love you too, buddy.
and I love Shiny. Thank you all for listening. You're beautiful. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.